All right. Um, just before anything, insights on the shofar blasts of yesterday as a preparation for the whole year. In the shofar blast, you have malchuyot, uh, zichonot, shofarot, and the blasts themselves. You have tkia, shvarim trua, or tkia shvarim or tkia trua, but they always end with a tkia. Okay. So a few things. First, let's go in the seder, and also the word itself, shofar, shin peresh. There's a lot of amazing things here. Number one, before anything, what Rabbi Nu says, Rabbi Nachman says in lesson 24. He says in lesson 24 that the starting point of every Jew is all the way down the earth, down below, and your job is to get out. Okay. And he says the main way a person gets out of where they're stuck in down below is simcha. But not any simcha, simcha of a mitzvah. Why simcha of a mitzvah? Because any simcha outside of a mitzvah is not considered a real simcha. Why not? Because it's not eternal. There's only, if you think about it, the only one thing that's worth being happy about in the world is something that's eternal. When you give a coin to tzedakah, when you say a bracha, when you say tefillin, it's for life, it's forever. It's like... It's, it's stored away eternally. So you have what to be happy about. But you know, having a nice drink and a nice vacation in the club med and whatever, it was an experience. You could have memoirs, but it can't be something that can bring you happiness because a person like is an old, old, old age home, he's like 80 years old, and he says, when I was 20, we went to club med and stuff. So, but it doesn't help him now, the, the good memory. He goes, he's sad and suffering. Whereas a Jew, who does a mitzvah at age 20, 25, so when he's 80 and 90, so he has what to look forward to. The mitzvah are there for him now at age 80, and they're going to be for him, Bezat Hashem, in very time to come. He says, well, that's the main simcha. The main simcha is to connect the future to the present. There is Yudke Vavke, which is Hayah Hoveh Vehiyeh, but there's also the holy name called Ekye. And Ekye translates I will be. So, he says, Rabbeinu Rav Nosen, that this holy name, Ekeh, is an energy of Hashem that a person has to drop on himself always. What is the idea on the Pshat? That I know whatever I'm going through in my life, all the suffering, all the upside downs, everything, but I'm going to be. There's something good in store. It's a preparation. All my struggle and toil for Torah and Mitzvot and everything, it's a preparation for something very, very high. Ekeh. Okay, Ekeh in the Kabbalah corresponds to the, the sphere of Keter. And Keter is a gateway for the infinite light. So in other words, this attitude of I will be, I'm doing preparation for something future, is the key for a person to have access to the infinite light. And he says, this is the true Simcha. The true Simcha, Rav Nosen explains this very nicely in, uh, in Brikata Hoda Avav and Nefilat Apayim Dalet, that the main Simcha is drawing the future joy, the future redemption, the future salvation, when the future that's going to be good, drawing it into the present. So we're living in the present, connected to the future. We, they say, there's an expression, live in, the, live in the present, live in the present. It's true, live in the present, because it's connected to the future. I, I'm living in the present, but in mind that I'm doing, it's, it's, I'm storing something, I'm doing, okay? Even when Rabbeinu says, in lesson number five, Schar mitzvah mitzvah. You remember this in lesson number five? He says you should live not for the reward in the world to come. You shouldn't do, should, should do a mitzvah for the reward. You do a mitzvah in order to have that delight. 
even then, in the words, schar mitzvah, mitzvah. When you do a mitzvah, what do I want as reward? I don't want a lama as a reward. I want another mitzvah to do. Okay? As opposed to a person who does a mitzvah for the reward of the reward of world to come, he does a mitzvah for the mitzvah for another mitzvah. Even then, the reason why the person has delight in doing a mitzvah is is because it's a connection to God, and once you connect it to God, it's something which is considered eternal. Even if after it's separated, you had this chut to be connected, it's something that stays with you. That's a bit deep. That all we on the side. Fine. So, going back. When a Jew does mitzvot besimcha and it's something eternal, this is the this is the true simcha that a person can access, and this is what's needed to get out of the darkness. When a person's feeling low, he can he should bring joy to himself with the nekudot tovot. That's good points. And the good points are things that are eternal. Boch Hashem, I did modani. Boch Hashem, I went to the mikveh. Boch Hashem, I put on tefillin. Mitzvot that are eternal. That's my that's my true simcha. So he says, once you are able to get a happy attitude, this is what pulls you out of the darkness. And then you're in momentum to go up and up and up and up. And eventually you can hit what's called the Keter. Keter is the gateway for the highest perceptions of Hashem, which on a practical level translates as having deeper meaning in what you're going through in your life. In other words, seeing clearly what's behind, what's happening with you, what you're doing, everything, to know how it's connected to Hashem, that's the greatest gift. He says, Rabbein, with the end of the story of the burger and the pauper, that when Mashiach comes, he's going to tell every single Jew the deep meaning behind what he went through in his life. Unbelievable. When Mashiach, that's at the end of the Sipur Masiyot, in the story of the burger and the pauper, that when Mashiach comes, he's going to tell every single person what was the meaning behind what they went through. Okay, you would say, why do, need, why do I need that? That's something amazing. When you see how your life was part of the story, you see it, not just you believe it, but you see it was part of the picture of the creation and part of the deeper meaning, there's no greater simcha than that. Because uh, simcha is to have a value. Simcha is when you feel that you have a value. Sadness is a person who is not worth it. He has no value at all. So when you're shown that little bit, little tiny you had such a big piece in creation and it's explained, okay, that's the greatest simcha. This is the keter. This is the orin sof. Orin sof is shining a light into every part of your life that everything has meaning. There's no greater simcha than that. When it's, when it's, when that, when, when it's unraveled to a person, oh, that's what it was. That was the meaning. It's something positive, something amazing. There's no greater ta'anuk than that, okay? So now with that in mind, we have malchuyot, zikhonot, shofarat, and the shofar blast, the seder and the musaf that we saw in Rosh Hashanah, is first malchuyot, the first section, which means there's verses on, and shofar blasts based on that Hashem is king, there's, there's malchuyot. Now we say that Hashem is king, Malchuyot. It's, 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 we say Malchuyot, and the idea is Hashem is king. But it's a few things. It's also that what you're going through in life, Hashem is also king over that. Because again, a person, when they fall, they begin to feel like garbage. They feel like, Hashem's not over, I don't have a king over me, 
no one cares about me. I have no meaning. No. So Malchuyot is number one, that Hashem is king over what I'm going through in my life. More than this, that I'm also a Melech. You got this? That's Malchuyot. To remind you of having self-confidence. When we blow the shofar blast of Malchuyot, it's number one, Hashem is Melech, and He's your king. And because He's your king, you're also something important. So you have self-confidence. You're a Melech, okay? This is the first stage of getting out of Shmutz, is that I have to first build Malchuyot. So the first shofar blast of Malchuyot is to instill instill to a person, hey, I'm a somebody. I have a value. I'm not garbage. I'm not a nobody. You can't play games with me at Sahara and try to just do what you want with me in my life and make me feel like I'm, I'm, a, I'm nobody and I'm hopeless. You can't do that. You can't make my life hefker. My life is not hefker. It's not, it's not just a, for, for, no, for no value. I have a value in my life. That's Malchuyot. Once Malchuyot is established and you put your foot down, you say, no, I'm a king and Hashem is my king and there's a value, then you have Zichonot. What's Zichonot? He says, Rav Nossin, in Lesson 24, in the Kutei Alachot, that when you work on being the Simcha, Hashem reminds you of things that you forgot about. In other words, the way the, uh, Rabbeinu says in Sichot Aran, I'll explain this idea, that a, a, the dead person, you know, there's a Segula, we say at the end of the Shmon Esre, a Pasuk that begins and ends with your name. Why do we do that? Because a person might forget what his name is when he goes up to heaven, and the pasuk that he said, which begins with the first and last letter, reminds me what his name is. So Rabbeinu says in Sichot Aran, why, why does a dead person need to be reminded what his name is? Because the dead person is sad. And because he's sad, he forgets. And he forgets what his name is. And it's needed to know his name. Or you, 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 you would ask the question, and why does the dead person need to, be, to know his name? Why, why, it's a good question. Why does a dead person need to know what, it, what his name is? Because the name, again, is the person's menucha. You are your name. Your name is who you are. And you have a value. Person, you ask a person, what's your name? Uh, Yonatan Ebigi. I don't know. Just to put a name like that. So he might think about himself, I'm a nobody. But the fact that you have a name, and it's a Jewish name, whatever it says, you're, you're part of Am Yisrael with your name. You count. That's already bulging. That's, that's, so now, Zichonot is when a person fights back and say, hey, I'm not hefker, I'm not garbage, I have a value. And you begin to build a positive attitude while being down and miserable and everything. You don't let the Yitzhara play games with you. The Yitzhara attacks with all types of thoughts. It gets you worried, what if this, what if that? And sometimes a person starts getting a pain, right? And it hurts a lot. So you think, oh no, I have a cancer, oh no, there's a person with his imagination. So it's going so far and in panic, and negativity, and everything. And while doing that, he begins to forget other things in life that are useful for now. Or forgets other things that he knows, but you had this pain 10 years ago, and it was nothing. You forgot about that. You forgot, you forgot other, other things that, that were there for you in a positive vein. Zichronot, Rav Nosson says, when you work on being positive in Besimcha, then Hashem sends you things to remind you. It's like, for example, a person... He starts panicking. I don't know what to do. Someone's like drowning. I don't know. Like, this is an emergency. And he doesn't know where to find the medication. And it's right in front of him, let's say. But because he's so upside down, he doesn't think, he doesn't remember where to look. So when you have Nucha and you're calm, 
and Hashem, you see this in life a lot. And then Hashem, like if you take it easy and you don't fall into the panic or the worry or the sadness, and you just take a breath, all of a sudden you remember things. Wait, it's in your pocket. <laughs> like the thing is right over here. Did you think about? You didn't think about checking there. You know they're checking you because it was right in front of you, right next to you. But because of the worry and the sadness, you forget. So malchuyot leads to zichronot. And once you have zichronot and malchuyot together, you're ready for the third stage, which is called shofarot. Shofarot is Rashi Tevot of three words. The shofar, the root is shin peresh. Take out the vav, because the vav falls. You have psukim that have the vav inside, psukim that don't. Shin peresh stand for simcha, shin. Pe is pele, the pele, which is the ketel, we'll go to that. And resh is ratzon. Okay, to explain. Simcha is the key to getting out. Prerequisites for being the simcha is you need malchuyot and zikronot. You need to have a value. If you don't have a value, you don't have malucha, as much as a tzaddik will drill your brain with chizuk and this, if you don't uh, inculcate into yourself malchut, the simcha, the, the, being happy, good points, won't talk to you. It won't do anything. So malchuyot leads to zikronot. Okay? You, have, you remember what to be happy about. A person who's sad, you know, he can't remember his good points because he's sad, like he's troubled and everything. He needs to be reminded, you, you, you have everything in the world and you act like you feel your life is over. If the, sometimes a person feels it's over. Life is over. It's getting, but you had so much good, he forgets about all the amazing things that Hashem gave him in his life that he has and he has access to. And there's so much to be happy about. So much to be happy about. And he's not happy about it because he's sad. He forgets. So, Malchuyot brings Zichronot, and then you can have the that's the prerequisite for being the Simcha. When you have the Simcha, you can reach the Keter. In the Kabbalah, Pele is the term for the Keter. Why? Because Pele means that which is wondrous, that which is awesome, that which is beyond, beyond me. And the Keter is allowing a person to access that which is beyond them, the infinite light. And then, when a person has the infinite light, what does it do to a person? It changes the most powerful thing inside of him, which is called the Ratzon. The Ratzon. The Ratzon to connect to Hashem is changed when Hashem opens up such a light. Okay? Like Rabbeinu says uh, on Lesson 4, regarding when a person is in the middle of davening, and all of a sudden he, he starts saying words in the prayer with such dvekut, with such connection to God and yearning, it's because he says the or ain't soft, the infinite light has been opened up to a person on those few letters. A person is in the middle of saying Pesukah de Zimra, and all of a sudden, in the middle of Ashrei, a big light comes to him. So when he says this is Hashem's kindness, that Hashem has opened the infinite light to a person, and it's expressed in Dveikut, connection, and connection is another term for the Ratzon. Okay? So you have Malchuyot, Zichonot, Shofarot, the Shofar. Now, with all this in mind, we can understand the details of the shofar blasts. We had tkiah at first, and tkiah at the end. And inside, there's sometimes shvarim, and then chura, but then again, there's tkiah. Okay? Tkiah is like, Rav Nosson says this, it's like the lashon of takua, when somebody's stuck in the earth, somebody's trapped, takua. I'm stuck in the shmutz. Tkiah means I'm stuck. Okay? What do you get out? First stage is, let's do 
Tatkiya Shvayim Chura Tkiya. That's because that's the maximum example. Tkiya, you're stuck. What do you do? Shvayim. Shvayim is you have to break to cut. You have to break free of the clutches of the Yetzirah who's convincing you that you're nobody. And until that happens, Simcha can't help. Simcha can't help a person if you allow the Yetzirah to convince you that you're, you're hopeless and you're useless and nobody needs you and nobody has your value. Right? There's no, that, until that happens, nothing can, Simcha can't work. So the first stage is Shvayim. And then Tru'ah is like we said, the Lashon of Re'uta Deliba. Right? Tru'ah is another Lashon for Ratzon in Aramaic. Re'uta is, is the Aramaic word for Ratzon, desire. So we get to the Tru'ah. And then he says in lesson 24, it doesn't end there. Once you reach the infinite light, you reach a high level, you're thrown back again in the Shmutz. <laughs> That's how life is. Life is a cycle. You start off low, you build up, you build up, and then once you're, you've accessed, according to your level, reaching this thing called the Keter, they send you back. They send you back. Why do they send you back? Because the only way a person can perceive this high level infinite light is if he has vessels for that. The vessels created is Dafka being pushed back into darkness. Can you believe that? This doesn't apply the Pshat Remez Drash Sot. On Pardes, this doesn't apply. This applies only to Keter. When a person wants meaning in his life, he wants a connection to, to Hashem on a, such a personal level that's already beyond the level of Sot. Kosheken Pshat, Kosheken Remez, Kosheken Drash, and, 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 and Sot. That, that, that this personal connection is only from the domain of the Pele, of the Keter. Okay? To have it though, person has to build vessels, which are created by pushing him back, and in that he creates the Ratzon, fine, but then the work starts again, and when he succeeds in being the Simcha again, he reaches a higher level, a higher level of perception. It does, it's endless, endless, but that's the cycle of life. It's a Yerida, Aliyah, Yerida, that's it. And Ravina says ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. So this is hinted to in the Shofar Blast. Sometimes you have Tkiya, Shvarim Tkiya, sometimes you have Tkiya, Tura Tkiya, you know, sometimes you have Tkiya, Shvarim, Tura Tkiya. It's different, depending on the situation, what's needed. But they all end with Tkiya, because you have to go back down. You have to go back down. Look, for example, Rosh Hashanah is such a high, and right after Rosh Hashanah, some Gedaya. What in the world? You know, if we had such an amazing high, let's continue high, let's go, let's go. Why throw us down into a fast day? And we're mourning over the death of a tzaddik or the gedalia, some gedalia. You know, why, what's going on? They, they say it's hinted in the name gedalia, because we're we're high, we're on a high in Rosh Hashanah, and then because of that, what's needed is a type of pushback. So right after Rosh Hashanah, some gedalia. Right after, maybe give us a day. Do it on the fourth of, of Tishrei, the fifth. No, right after, because that's how it is. You're given an intense light, and then right after that. Fast day, come on. When it's such a high, the shofar, you felt amazing. You felt chirut, it's freedom. I feel like unbelievable after the musaf. Like the world, the world is ours now. We just won the, we, we just won the world after here, after Rosh Hashanah, especially here by Rabbeinu, the Rosh Hashanah we had here, right? So that's that's the thing. There's a big light, and there's always right afterwards a type of a setback, which is only meant to build Kaylee. So now.
All these days are preparation for Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the climax of tasting the light of the Keter. It's when the Kohen Gadol go in Lifnai Vilifnim, the Holy of Holies, which is considered the tenth level of holiness, the tenth Kedusha, which corresponds to the Keter. We have the nine days leading up to Yom Kippur. The number nine is significant in that Rabbi Nachman says, your mental makeup is made up of three sections. Chokhmah, Bina, Da'at. Now when a Jew wakes up being Besimcha, so he brings back to life his Chokhmah, Bina, Da'at. When a person was sad and down, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's really weird. You have a person who has in his brain the whole Shas, the whole Midrash, tons of Mishnayot, tons of Torah study, and he's depressed. Like, like, guys, like, like, where's all the Torah that you learned? Where is it? Where's all the Agadot of the En Yaakov, all the Zohar you learned, all the classes that you heard? And when a person comes to, you know, lights, camera, action on a practical level, he's down. And like, but you learned so many amazing things. Where is it now? How come it's not there to help you? It's, it's scary. What's influenced the most when a person is sad is his Chochmah bin Adat. He, he loses. He has no Zikaron. That's what we said before. We need, we need, you have so much in your head to be happy about, so much information, and then when a person is sad, like, it just all went. <laughs> Where did it go? It's dormant. So when a person gets being Besimcha, he revives his Chochmah bin Adat, and then Chochmah bin Adat is what's pushing a person to go forward. And then when a person is ready to face what's called the Keter from heaven, they see that a person is ready, so they bounce him back. Like we said, he's bounced back. When this bounce takes place, a person's Chokhmah bin Adad, Rabbi Nachman says, become intermingled. So it becomes three times three. The Chokhmah merges with the Bina, the Bina with the Chokhmah, the Da'at of the Chokhmah, the Da'at of the Bina, becomes nine combinations multiplication, three times three, they bounce into each other, they bounce, and they, by bouncing, they get all mixed up, and it creates nine, nine new levels of Chochmah Bin Adad in different combinations that have the number nine. Okay? On, until Yom Kippur, that's what's happening, basically. We're now getting, activating nine levels of Chochmah Bin Adad in the different combinations, reflected in these nine days, including the first two days of Rosh Hashanah, and some Gedalia, leading up to Yom Kippur. And that's why Rav Nassim says in Likutei Tfilot, Likutei Tfilot, part two, Tfilah number five. He says, Hashem, you would think in the Aserti Mei the ten days of repentance, I would be a better Jew, I would be able to do Tshuva, but Hashem, it turns out that the hardest days of the year for me are the ten days of repentance. I would have thought Hashem that it's 10 days of tshuva, so I should do tshuva. But like Rabbi Nachman teaches in Lesson 6, which is connected to Lesson 24 on the Keter, that the secret to tshuva is what? Yishma bizyono, yidombe yishtok. When a person gets insulted, he should remain silent. Now the insult also comes in the form of setbacks. When you see, oh, I miss davening again. Oh, I miss slichot. Oh, I miss. So now that negativity is an embarrassment for you. And it's a setback. In other words, you feel ashamed and embarrassed about yourself due to the setback. The setback is a form of bizayon because it causes you a feeling of busha, of shame on yourself, right? So the, he says of Nasan, the Sadi Mitchuva, 
I would have thought were the highest day of the, days of the year, and it turns out, Ramnasan says this in the Kutay Tfilot, it turns out these are like the, the most difficult days. Why? Because that's the secret to tshuva. The secret to tshuva is being able to stand up no matter what I'm set back with. No matter what setback I get, I'm able to hold on to it. I'm able to hold on to Hashem. Like you think, I just came back from Umar Moshoshana, I should be an angel right now. Everything is forgiven. It's yalla. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. And what happens is the exact opposite. And dafka da sendi me tshuva, and you're meant to feel even worse. So why did I waste so much time and money to go to Uman if now I'm just like a low life and a nobody like before and even worse before? What, you know, what did I gain? It's just the opposite. This is now the key to get to the 10th level of holiness. The holiness of the Kodesh Kodashim is dependent and the person has what's called Hamtana. Keter, Rabbeinu says, twice in Lesson 6 and Lesson 24. Keter is Milashon Hamtana, like it says the Pasuk in, Eli, in Eov. Eliu said to Eov, he said, Katar li Wait for me a moment, settle, for me to settle my mind, and I'll tell you even more things. Because Eov was arguing that Hashem was bad to him. Hashem took away his children and his animals and his money, and he lost, and he was suffering physical sicknesses and everything. So he would begin to complain against Hashem. So Elio was trying to say, you don't question Hashem's ways. And he brought all types of proofs in those chapters in, in Eov. And then he said, if you give me a chance to, get to just give me a break to think a little, I'll give you even more arguments why you shouldn't question the ways of Hashem. Okay? So that's Katar. Katar is Keter. Rabbeinu teaches that this is the secret to, to perceiving what you need to reach to understand in life. It's what? It's called patience. Patience is what? is that I have setbacks in life and I'm told, wait. What do you mean wait? I want to advance. I want to learn Daf Yomi. I want to learn Torah. I want to advance in my Yiddishkeit. I want to pra- apply what I'm learning. I want to come close to you. And Hashem says, no, you're not ready yet. Wait. What do you mean not ready yet? Wait. Because you are special. You want only the Keter. You want that perception of knowing everything in life hidden in you. So, so because of that, you have to wait. If it was just a life of pshat, we said this at a class recently, that people in Breslev, they begin to tend to feel people outside of Breslev are better than them. It's crazy. You begin to feel, you know, look what I'm going through. And these guys, they don't go to Uman, they don't do this, and they're such a happy life, and they look, the kids look neat, and then it's fine in Gandhi, and, you know, and the cheder, they have no problem with the shiva, Talmud Torah. And look what I'm going through with my wife and my kids. And, and like you feel like no one, no, they, they don't look like they're going through what I'm going through. On one hand, it's true, but there's something different. You're different than them. Why? Because you're after the Keter. Rabbeinu's whole thing is, we said this a few times, said again. Ani ish pele, benishmati pele gadol. Rabbeinu's thing is the Keter. Rabbeinu's interested in one thing alone to get people to connect to the infinite light. To give them the true meaning. That's why he says, I'm a Pele, which is Keter, and my Neshama is a greater Pele, and his whole thing is to get people to connect to the Keter. You want Keter? That's why he came to Breslev, because you want Keter. <laughs> if you're just saying, look for just nice Chidushim on the Torah Parsha, and that, that's in the domain of Shatwa Mizrash, so that's the rest of the world, technically, and they're happy with that. The rest of the world are happy with status quo. 
They're happy with their minion, the Dubbins, Shachar in 20 minutes. They're okay with that. I'm okay with, you know, just doing what I have to do and getting on with it and enjoying myself in this world and having a limited perspective of my Yiddishkeit and my Imuna. They're happy with that. So you can't compare you to them. They're already different already that. You want the real deal. So this is the, this is the process of ups and downs and getting pushed back and waiting and waiting and waiting but the wait is a payoff if you hold on and the key to holding on the waiting is simcha that's why simcha is a prerequisite for this because if you have true simcha then no matter where they push you down you can get up from it get up from it so going back these nine days we're being pushed back it's a combination of the three making nine three times three is nine so everything is so upside down because of that. But this is the preparation for Yom Kippur. The Keter of Yom Kippur. We scream on Rosh Hashanah. What, what, what Rav Nussan's words are unbelievably precise. Rav Nussan said, <coughs> the whole world screams HaMelech. And the Ashkenazi davening, you know, HaMelech. Everybody's, okay? The whole world says HaMelech before Ishtabach there. But the coronation, the Akhtara Zenumai. Hear that? Rav Nussan said that. Everywhere, every minion in the world, they scream HaMelech. They say HaMelech and the davening, but the coronation is in Uman. What does that mean? That the gateway, HaMelech is Melech. Keter is Keter. In the Kabbalah, they're separate. You have the Melech and Keter. You have Malchut and Keter, okay? So the whole world screams HaMelech, but that Malchut should be a crown, which eventually happens on Yom Kippur, fully, more fully, of that year, this year chunk, what we had in Rosh Hashanah, is a foretaste of the opening on Yom Kippur. It's dependent on that. It's dependent on that, okay? So the foretaste of that, by the way, this, this is Chidush I have now, this came. Rabbeinu said his Inyan is Rosh Hashanah. Rav Nosen said his Inyan is Yom Kippur. You ever heard this before? Rav Nosen what's the idea? That the Chizukim you need from Rosh Hashanah to get to Yom Kippur, these nine days... The nine days, which are killer days, killer days of ups and downs. The only way you can hold that is if you have the right chizuk, which is what Rav Nosen does. Rav Nosen is the one, he gives you the chizuk to hold on and keep on going and not to drop it and to be misimcha and value the good points. That's Rav Nosen. So Rav Nosen said, he's in Yom Kippur, because he helps the person to get from Rabbeinu Rosh Hashanah to the Yom Kippur light of the Keter. Okay, the final light of the Keter happens in the Musaf of Yom Kippur. On Musaf of Yom Kippur, and also Neila, but mainly on the Musaf of Yom Kippur, where we go over the Avodah of the Kohen Gadol and Beit Hamidash, and everyone's reliving it, right? in the shuls all over, we prostrate on the floor as if we're in the Beit Hamidash at the time that the Kohen Gadol said the holy name of Hashem, and that big revelation, that's the light of the Keter. So that's dependent on, on, on Rosh Hashanah. Akhtara, that the crowning it takes place in Uman Yisrael. In other words, you're Zoche more than other people in the world. Yes, that's the advantage of being in Uman Shana, to have the light of the Keter. And that's meant to stay for the whole year. For the rest of the year, you have that protective force of the starting point not dropping it totally and the high point not going too high, not, not going above your level, knowing when to have a bounce back and also being low, not to fall too low, like a ping pong. In Breslev, we say we're like a ping pong. That we don't, we don't go too far on one extreme and another extreme either. It's in between. So this, in short, is the Avodah until Yom Kippur. In other words, not to feel down that after such a big light of Rosh Hashanah, you feel, eh, and then you're not getting up, and this and that. 
this is part of the nine days of a lot of setbacks and just waiting waiting and waiting until Hashem opens the door the secret mamash the secret for Hatzlacha in life is a person has to wait Rav Nachman told Shiner, he um, he uh, went to pick up books that were printed in Yassi believe it or not people are going out to Yassi in Romania so the edition of the Kutel Achot Volume 1 the first edition was printed in Yassi by Rav Nassim, and he sent his student Rav Nachman Tulchener to go but there were problems on the border. He didn't have proper documents to cross the border. So when he came back, he told he was describing to Rav Nosin what happened. And he asked, so what did you do? So I said, I waited. I waited at the border. And I waited until I had the right opportunity and I was able to go through. You know, he waited that there was a time or he had the documents or he knew that the different officers who were at the border, whatever it was, he says, well, I just waited. So when he heard that, he said, that's how it is in life. That you have to wait and wait until they open the doors. Because if you leave and then they open the doors, you lost, you lost the opportunity. You have to wait for the right moment to come. But you have to wait. If you don't wait, so the opportunity came and you weren't there. You took off. So it didn't help. Right? So this is the idea that Rabbeinu gives us. Is you have to wait and wait and wait. Wait until when? Until I die? No. You wait until they decide from Shemayim. But it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come big time as a Tasha. You heard something. We should be talking tonight about Kippur now.